Hello. Aguten Maid. So we're now going to do three days worth of Tanya. Friday, Erupisa. The first day of Pesach, Shabbos. And today, Sunday, the second day of Pesach. We are in the middle of chapter 41. We will overview three days. The last idea from Thursday was, even if a person doesn't feel intense fear of Hashem in their heart, but if in their mind they're conscious of their natural fear of Hashem, and they consciously have Kabbalah Malchah acceptance the yoke of heaven, and they're doing Taira and Mitzvah as a way of serving God, then they have complete avoida, avoida shlema. This is complete avoida because we know it's true. We know the fear in your mind is real fear because every Jew naturally does fear God. So the real fear plus the true acceptance of the yoke, avoida, kabbalah makes it avoida shlema. But the Rebbe said on Friday, if you do Taira and Mitzvah only from love, because you truly want to connect to God, you're not an Evid. You're not serving. You're not the slave. You're not the servant. And the person can say, okay, I'm not God's slave. Who wants to be a slave? Taira tells you to. In other words, the same way we have a command to love God and to fear God, we also have a command to serve God, to be his evit, to be his slave, to be his servant. And the Rebbe now brings a fairly long quote from the Zayhar, which explains that for the ox to properly plow the ground, before he begins plowing, you put on him the yoke for the best productivity. And so, too, for a person, before he starts serving God, he's accepts to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven. And then godliness, Kedusha, can rest on him. It's a very, very strong, intense thing that I'm saying here. We're saying, if you do your Torah and Mitzvahs, even with an emotional love of God, but you don't have avoid the component, you're not doing it as a service, you're not accepting upon yourself the yoke of serving God, Kedusha can't rest on you. Meaning, to truly do the Mitzvah properly, we need the love but we also must have the fear and the service. There's love, there's fear, and there's avoida. Accepting now this act as a conscious act of serving God, of serving my king. For most of us, we would think of fear and avoida as sort of one synonymous issue. It really is the emotion of fear and the conscious act of avoida, of accepting upon oneself the yoke of heaven. But fear naturally leads to avoida. Love does not. So the person can say, but I love God so much. The Lord is saying, you're not serving. And if you're not serving, Kedusha, godliness can't rest on you. When you serve, you nullify yourself. When you nullify yourself, now there's a space in you that God can be found. And then the Rebbe says, as we repeated many times, a very strong theme here, that we must have both love and fear. We must serve God as his child love, and as his servant, as his slave, fear. Which comes first? For some people you have love and then fear. For some people you have fear and then love. For some people the fear is dominant. For some people the love is dominant. That's all fine. But you have to have both. As Rebbe continued on Shabbos, let's say a person 
doesn't even feel this fear in his brain. Not like what we just said, a person truly loves God and he thinks, well, that's good enough. They were saying, no, it's not. You also have to be an avid. You have to be the slave. You have to be enslaved to God. Here, now in a different situation, the person knows he has to be enslaved to God. The person is trying to enslave himself to God. He's trying to feel fear, at least in his mind, but he can't. His soul came from such a low source, he's so desensitized, that even though he's going through the right steps, he's trying to elicit the fear, he's conscious that he's an evid, he's doing Tyra Mitzvah as one who accepts upon himself God's sovereignty, but he doesn't feel, even in his brain, a thing. Everyone says, what? You still have a Vaida Gamur. You have complete Avaida. You can say, how can I have complete Avaida? I don't have any fear. I, I, I want to fear God. I'm trying to fear God, but I don't. So was, you know what? Fear and Avaida are two separate commandments. You're doing one, you're not doing the other. I know you want to do fear. I know you're trying to do fear. I see you can't do fear. That doesn't take away that you're completely fulfilling the mitzvah of Avaida. You're consciously serving God as one subjugates himself to the king. You're an avid. And then the other says, you know what? I think we could say you're also fearing God. But I'm not. I, I, I wish I was. I'm trying. But even in my brain, it's just not resonating. The other says, no, you are. Why am I saying you are? Because the fact that you're going through this whole process the fact that with your mind, you're truly trying to elicit the natural fear that you know you have, on some level, even though you don't think anything is happening, it must be happening. It's a normal human instinct. Just like Rabbi Yochim I told his students, to be God's will that you should fear God like you fear a human. Because if a human's around, you're not going to act inappropriately. Meaning, that's natural in our psyche. If someone else is in the room, I'm not going to do something that will be embarrassed in front of the other person. Well, that's not fear. I don't fear the other person. The other says, yeah, you do. That is a level of fear, though you don't think of it as such. So, so too, right now, when you're trying to pull out this natural fear that you do have, and it's not reaching your heart, and you don't even think it's reaching your mind, on some level, it is. On some level, the most minimal level of fear, there's some fear of sin that you did pull out. So at this moment, they're ever saying, I know you have service of God, you're an evid, you're doing a fleet and I know you fear God as well, even though you don't think you do. And ever says you really need to. Because if you're not fearing, you're only loving, you're, you're it's not going to flop. Birds don't fly on one wing. We have to have at least on the most minimal level, which we already ascertained as getting the emotion into your brain, it must be there. The Rebbe says, I know it is. Then the Rebbe, starting with today's portion, for some strange reason, today's was quite long. I say strange because it's a leap year and it's not a Wednesday. I, I was very confused in the morning trying to figure out, am I wrong? If it's wrong, is this wrong? Um, maybe just because it's the antis. So the river has wants us to have a lot of godliness in us. So the 
Rebbe now goes into a whole another layer of kavana, of intent. Meaning, thus far in the chapter, we basically focus on two intents. The intent of fear. God's watching you. God needs you. God made himself vulnerable to you. Fear. Avoida. The intent that I am doing this to express service and subjugation and accepting of the sovereignty of God. And we just also added love. We didn't really develop it much, but love because you have to have those two wings. Now, we're going to the fourth intent of the chapter, which we speak about at length, which is very, very powerful, very practical thought that this act that I'm going to do to be for the benefit of the entire Jewish people. All of us have responsibility for the clone, for the community. When I do a mitzvah, my mitzvah can truly impact every single Jew. How is this possible? Basically, when I do a mitzvah, the mitzvah ascends with this intention. When I have this intention, which we actually say every day before Baruch Sha'amar, the last three words mean that why am I now Kabbalistically thinking of how I'm fusing Kutshabrichu and Shchinte, the higher and lower levels of godly energy, Kutshabrichu, HaKadosh Baruch the higher level, and Shchina, the lower levels, B'Shem Kol Yisrael. I want this to help all the Jewish people. My Torah or Mitzvah is a manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, When I do a mitzvah with this intent, the mitzvah ascends with the godliness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to fuse the godliness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the godliness of Shechina, as we say every day before Rosh Amar. These are the two upper and lower manifestations of godly energy, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina, or in Aramaic, Kutshabruch and Shechinte. So normally when I do a mitzvah, it doesn't go so high that HaKadosh Baruch Hu fuses with Shechina. But when I'm doing a mitzvah for the sake of all the Jewish people, my mitzvah has enormously powerful wings. So the mitzvah goes to the source of the mitzvah, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and elicits that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should fuse with Shechina. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina fuse, the godliness that's the byproduct of that fusion penetrates Shechina. Shechina is the repository of all souls. So that godliness of the mitzvah, the godliness engendered by the mitzvah, is now impacting Shechina, the source of the souls of the entire Jewish people. So from impacting the source of souls, this trickles down to the souls of themselves as they are in this body, which means in this world of some 15 million Jews, probably more, all 15 million plus Jews are being affected right now when I do the mitzvah with the intent that this should help all the Jewish people. Now, this is a big self-sacrifice because it, I lost, so to speak, my personal ownership on the mitzvah. If one doesn't realize the value of a mitzvah, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Oh, yeah, whatever. Mitzvah, who cares? Yeah, I'll give it away. That's because you don't know what it's worth. But if you appreciate what a mitzvah is worth, it's a big sacrifice to give away a mitzvah. But it's such a big payoff to give away this mitzvah because now 15 million plus Jews are helped. So if you say Shema with the intention that this is for all the Jewish people, 15 million plus Jews, of which we would estimate over 14 million plus of them never say Shema, are now having that mitzvah in a softer way through yours. I say in a softer way because, again, remember, 
I'll explain the process again. The godliness is ascending to the source of the godliness of the mitzvah, which is HaKadosh Baruch eliciting that HaKadosh Baruch should fuse with Shechina. The godliness engendered by that fusion comes down into Shechina. Shechina is the source of all souls. And from being in the source of all souls, it'll trickle down then into all the souls in the bodies. So it's definitely a more diluted process than you directly, linearly being affected by your mitzvah. But it's so powerful. Because every single Jew on the planet is affected and aided by your mitzvah. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing kavana. And the side note, the Rebbe explains that at this point, there's a general sweetening of severity, a general flow of God's kindness in all of creation. Because since you're Kavana is so high, it's so pure, it's so selfless. This is really eliciting enormously the will of God. And when the will of God is expressed all the way in all the world, going up to Eilam HaTzilas, the highest world, the lower forces, the spheres, fuse together. Because when the will is manifest, the will is the source of all of them, so all of the lower powers are nullified to that will. And since, and therefore, God's kindness and God's judgment meld and blend, and kindness overwhelms judgment because kindness is more enrooted in God's will. So then, all of God's emotional energy, because you did the mitzvah with the perspective it should be to help all the Jewish people, is dominant. So instead of the normative God expressing Himself both in kindnesses and in judgments. We have a flow of God expressing himself only in kindness in the merit of your mitzvah done for the sake of all the Jewish people. Then the Rebbe says, the person could say, whoa, how in the world can you ask this of me? I mean, I, I can do it, but I, it's fake. Because to do it, it means I'm selflessly loving God. In other words, when I do a regular mitzvah, a mitzvah has enormous perks, enormous benefits for me personally, every single mitzvah. So I could selfishly do the mitzvah. I could do the mitzvah to help my soul. I could do the mitzvah to help my body. I could do the mitzvah will bring me blessings. Be more careful in family purity to bring around blessings in children. Be more careful in charity to bring around blessings in finances. I mean, every mitzvah blesses me physically. And every mitzvah brings down godliness to me, which is blessing me spiritually. Every mitzvah connects me to God, which is what I want. Even on a selfish level, I want to be connected to God. So I could be a regular human, feet-in-the-mud person and still do lots of mitzvahs because it's good for me to do mitzvahs. But now I'm giving up my mitzvah. I'm doing the mitzvah. It's not for me. It's for the entire nation of the Jewish people. So to do that, you have to love God so purely that you'll be selfless for him. That's called the love of Ahavarabha, an intense, powerful, tzaddik-like love of God. But I'm not a tzaddik. I'm not a saint. So if I'm not a tzaddik, if I'm not this saint, how could it be true that I could truly say, yes, I'm sacrificing my mitzvah. I'm not so holy. Only great tzaddikim are so selfless in their service of God. That's the question. And what's the answer? The rabbi says, you are. <laughs> you are. And the more you think this thought, the more you pull out the truth in it. Why can I say it's true if you are not a tzaddik, if you're not a saint, and you are not serving God selflessly, how can you have such a selfless intention that your mitzvah shouldn't personally benefit you? It should benefit 15 plus million Jews instead. Because inside of you, you have a natural love of God. 
And one of the aspects of this natural love of God is that you want that everything God wants should happen. You want everything that God wants should happen? God wants this. God desperately wants this. He wants that you should do the mitzvah with the intent that it should be for all the Jewish people, so your mitzvah could cause the Kaddish Baruch and Shechina to fuse, so the godliness could come down to Shechina, could come down to the source of all souls, could trickle down to every single Jewish person in this world. God wants this. So since God wants this, and since I, in my natural love, want that everything God wants should be fulfilled, I also want this. So I really do want it. So the Rebbe says, habituate yourself to this thought. Train yourself to this thought. It's so powerful. You could do a mitzvah, and all the Jewish people in the entire world are being affected. And then the Rebbe goes to a high fifth intent. We had love, service, Sorry, I should in order. Fear, service, love for the sake of all the Jewish people. Now the fifth and final intention of this chapter is Mithiris Nefesh, self-sacrifice. So you should do your missile with the thought that I am being Moisir Nefesh. I'm sacrificing myself for God. I could say, why is this self-sacrifice? Why well, it's such a self-sacrifice to do a mitzvah? I mean, some mitzvahs, but every mitzvah I can think of is self-sacrifice. Everybody says, yes. Every mitzvah we can view as self-sacrifice truly. Why? Because right now, my natural human instinct is to want to take care of myself. It's to want to nurture my own body. And if at this moment, instead of nurturing my body, I, for example, am listening to this class and learning Torah, so I'm putting God's wants in front of my wants. Because if I didn't do this, I'd be taking better care of myself. Even the mitzvahs that we don't feel are especially difficult for us, but every single one of them means putting God first, which means putting me second. If every single mitzvah I'm putting myself aside for God, every single mitzvah is self-sacrifice. And that is this intention that I am right now sacrificing to completely fuse with God. And that, the Rebbe says, is a no-brainer, so to speak, but that's completely true because that's the tent that goes back to me thinking for myself that I want to be one with God. And when I completely sacrifice for God, I'm completely one with him. And there says, like, for example, a very auspicious time to have this thought is when you're praying and you say, Baruch Atah, blessed are you. Because when I say you, I'm talking to God directly. You can only use the second person you when the person you're talking to is right there. I could say Miriam left her book, or this is Miriam's book. Miriam could be in the room, Miriam could not be in the room. This is Miriam's book. It's not clear if she's in the room or not. But if I say, oh, your book, this is your book, you obviously are there. Otherwise, the sentence doesn't make any sense. So if I say, Baruch Atta, blessed are you, God, that means I know he's right here. So I know you're right here, and I'm thanking God right now. I'm being my sinafish. I'm sacrificing myself because I can be doing other things. I've got a million other things to do. But I'm praying right now. I'm taking the five minutes, the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes, the 45 minutes. I'm taking this time and trusting I have other things to do, and I'm praying to you instead. Right now, I'm in a movement of self-sacrifice. And through this self-sacrifice, 
There's a fusion of my soul and you, and you're right here. I'm talking to you. It's happening right now. So when you dove it, when you pray, and you use the second person, you, as we do every single blessing, remember, you means, I know I'm talking right to him. He's right here listening. Right here listening, I know my soul is fusing with God as I self-sacrifice to do his will. Any questions? Please unmute yourself, star six. Okay, enjoy the special, special life of Pesach.